You're listening to Show Me Your Assets. I'm your host, Dottie Dynamo, burlesque dancer and stripper turned personal trainer. This show is about sexy work, fitness, money, and everything in between. You'll learn how to train smarter, navigate body image in an industry that centers your looks, manage your money, and prioritize self-care and recovery so you can avoid burning out over and over again. While I have your attention, you should know I have the tendency to cuss like a sailor. So if you're in mixed company, grab your headphones because there's no telling what I might say. Welcome back to the Show Me Your Assets podcast. I'm your host, Dottie Dynamo, and I have a super special guest for you today. It's Alexa, the house mom. She is an OG stripper in the industry since 2004 who loves to support the community with sales and mindset strategies, ooh, words, as well as financial literacy and, of course, activism for all sex workers as well. Welcome to the podcast. It's so exciting to have you here. Thank you, Dottie. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So I've been following your page for quite a while, I feel like. And once I decided I wanted to start bringing people on to the podcast, you are one of the first people that I reached out to because I love your content. I love the way that you approach like your sales stuff. And especially because you've been in the industry for so long, I think that there's so many newbies teaching newbies Mm -hmm. And we need more like (laughs) older, like people that have been in the industry a little bit longer who have seen the evolution of the industry kind of things. We're kind of rare. We're kind of rare um, people who have been dancing as long as I have. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many other dancers I know that have been really two decades or around there. Yeah, I don't know that I know of any that are approaching like 20 years in the industry personally I'm at 10 and that feels like holy crap how did I get to 10 years as a stripper yeah it's it feels like every year feels like five years <laughs> the <laughs> time the span, yeah the time span of it definitely sort of um multiplies I think the longer you're in the industry like one year definitely seems more like more years. And I don't know about you, but my self-care has had to amplify the longer that I've been in the industry. Absolutely. I'm now in physical therapy. So that should tell you we, we do therapy. We do physical therapy. We're making lifestyle changes to keep up with what's happening to our bodies and brains. A hundred percent. Um, And so I know you mostly talk about sales skills, but you again, touch on like confidence and your mindset boundaries. I think boundaries is a huge one. And then the financial aspect. So I'd love to talk a little bit about as both of us have been in the industry for so long, what do you think is like a key to longevity in this industry? Uh, Pacing yourself. Like you said, boundaries, that's a big one. Um, Having boundaries with everybody in your life, not just customers, but managers who might want you to come in on your days off, Um, other dancers, friends, family, lovers. The number one thing I see taking people out of the game early is relationships. Like they have a jealous boyfriend they get married, they might have a baby and they're like, oh, I can't be a stripper anymore. This isn't good for me. So yes. if you like stripping, if you like stripping, um, I feel like you should do that. And I feel like if you don't want to dance anymore, it should be your own choice. 
regardless of how other people feel. Yeah, I feel that a hundred percent. I have left relationships strictly because they have said they needed me to stop dancing. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, I was a dancer when you met me. I'm not sure why you suddenly think my career or who I am is going to change. It's always a really hard thing to do. And I think that that is something that you have to learn, right? I love dancing and I'm not going to give up a part of myself to accommodate someone else's insecurities. Right, right. It's choosing somebody else's feelings over your own livelihood. And we do it a lot. I've done it. I'm from coming from a place of experience, like there's been many times where, you know, somebody was like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do this anymore. You've had how many kids now? We're in this point in our relationship, you know, and it's insidious. You have to have firm boundaries. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm definitely at a point too, where when I start dating someone, like that's the first thing I'm like, is this going to be an issue? Mm -hmm. don't say you don't think so like I need to know now because I'm not investing time in you if later down the road you're going to realize you don't like what I do for a living like this is my job it's not something I'm doing to fulfill the fact that I'm looking for a partner it's not something I'm doing (laughs) because I I, like don't have enough self-confidence or I'm insecure in myself like I really like my job and I'm really good at it and not everybody can say that yeah yeah and I think like it should really be like if you feel like you're you're at a place where it's like okay this is no longer worth the money or this isn't fun anymore i don't like it you know that's that's one thing i, I respect everybody who wants to leave and is ready and 100%. i think there's like a a financial preparation that needs to happen speaking of what a great way to segue into talking about money <laughs> so that is yes. um exactly it so as you know, I focus on like financial literacy and money management for dancers because I'm not sure about yourself, but my first like five, six years in the business, I was not, I was paying my taxes, but not well. I was lying about how much money I was making and I didn't realize that was screwing me over. I was not saving. I had no retirement account or I had one, but I wasn't contributing. Like I was poorly managing my money and now 10 years in, like I am scrambling to make up for all of those mistakes, which is why I teach on that because like you have the propensity to set yourself up really well in this industry for a lifetime of financial wealth. But because so many of us don't have financial literacy and just, I think there's like this um wanting to get one over on the man because we have a cash income (laughs) that we don't realize that we're actually we're not screwing over the government we're not screwing over the irs we're screwing over ourselves yeah you you know badly i wanted to scream in agreement with you but i didn't want to interrupt what you were saying (laughs) i saw it on your face yes 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 (laughs) all of that that was me too i was horrible with money I was like, cash, give me the cash. I'm going to spend it as soon as I get it. I had no idea anything about retirement, Mm-mm. savings, investments. Oh my God, that's for rich people. Like <clears throat> there's all these beliefs we have about money, beliefs that women have about money, not just sex workers, but you know, that it's not really for us to understand because we're not taught about it. Mm-hmm. when we're younger we're not taught how to be independent contractors most people have zero training about anything they're like fresh out of high school going into this job where they're getting handed tons of money and they don't know what to do with it and it's just a logical 
of course like a course of action where they're like I'm just gonna live my life I'm gonna have fun I'm gonna be on my own terms but really excuse me I started to see over time how that was really affecting me negatively I had no documentation to rent an apartment I had no way of getting approved for any kind of loan because there's no tax returns. There's no bank statements. I wasn't putting my money in the bank. And like, if you don't put your money in the bank, it can't grow. You can't put it where it needs to go to earn interest. Mm -hmm. So it's such a difficult thing sometimes to convince strippers like this is, this is what you should be doing. Um, Nobody wants to hear it. It's not fun. Nobody likes talking about taxes. Nobody likes talking <laughs> about all of this stuff. Um, so if you're successful in delivering this message, you are doing such a huge service to the community. I I hope that it gets there. I really, really do, because I think it's so important. As you said, right, there's no dot. You don't have the documentation. You you are getting handed large sums of money and you just want to live an amazing life. And you should. You 100% should be using a portion of that money that you're making because we're doing very intense emotional labor, physical labor. As you said, you're in physical therapy now. I think the only thing that is keeping my body in not needing to be in physical therapy is that I'm also a personal trainer and have been lifting weights for years. So I know what to do to counteract all of the shit that happens to my body in the club yeah but there's so much of that so yeah you should be enjoying that money but you should also be setting yourself up so future you can enjoy that money and it's hard to think about future you when you're in your 20s yeah it is it's there's really no plan a lot of the time Mm -hmm. so you mentioned like exit exit strategy I so I'm going to assume the same was for you. When I started dancing, there was no Instagram. There was no TikTok. There was none of this. There was stripper web. And I remember like searching all of the (laughs) things about becoming a dancer and everyone was like, make sure you have an exit plan. And I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. I don't even plan on dancing for that long. Like I started dancing because my rent increased and I wasn't making enough in my nine to five to pay it. And then I discovered, holy shit, I really love dancing. And I quit my nine to five and became a full-time stripper. And I never set up an exit strategy. (laughs) Until yeah, much I, I didn't, and I still don't really have an exit strategy. I don't either. To be honest with you, I don't. I don't know how important it is early on in your career because your interests and needs and lifestyle can change so much depending on how long you're you're dancing for. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love this admittance from both of us that we're both so like. I don't really have an exit strategy. By exit I'm just, strategy. I have things, I, I have things I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm setting myself up to accomplish those things. And if it happens to me that I don't have to dance anymore, then that's probably how that's going to happen. I think that for myself, it's a, I would love to get to a point and I'm kind of there simply because I've completely changed my lifestyle and I'm now nomadic is this like being able to dance when I want to dance, which has been a really great self-care burnout, um, composition of being like I don't have to dance four days a week every week anymore like I can dance when I want to and then take a break and I think that for a lot of us is probably what we think of as an exit strategy like well when I still want to go dance I can Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a great plan you've set yourself up to be not reliant on it you're comfortable Mm -hmm. with with your choice it's not like being 
pulled out of the industry because of illness or industry or or a pandemic injury (laughs) yes or relationship problems or kids or whatever like a lot of people leave against their own will yeah yeah that's very true and it's so sad to see it happen especially when they still want to be doing it and then there's this like this unfulfilled thing Mm -hmm. like oh I I stopped something before I was ready to and then there's this continued guilt or shame about it um I want to segue a little bit and talk about, which I think kind of relates if we're talking about leaving the industry before you want to, I think a lot of that has to do with like confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also how having your confidence in yourself sort of translates into confidence in sales and not just knowing your boundaries. Cause I say this all the time to younger dancers, like it's one thing to know your boundaries. It's another thing to enforce them. Absolutely. You can be like, all right, you can walk into the club, be like, I'm not going to let anyone touch my boobs today. And then it go, you know, so happens to be an occasion where someone tries to touch your boobs. Are you going to have the, I don't want to say willpower, but do you have the reaction to immediately stop that from happening? Or are you going to let it happen for a while? Think about it. Well, maybe it's okay if he does it, he's not so horrible. You know, you have to have all these continuous conversations with yourself. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's fine if your boundaries are different from client to client. I think that Mm -hmm. that's okay. But yeah, it's, uh, I was having this conversation oddly with a client in or customer in the club the other night about how um, if you don't enforce those boundaries, suddenly the thing that you are allowing to continue to happen becomes your new boundary. Yeah, in a way. You can always, the the great thing about boundaries is you can always go back and recalibrate Mm -hmm. and say, okay, this is, I'm going to try not to allow this, or I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to have this boundary with myself that I'm not going to leave early on Tuesdays. I'm going to stick it out. Like, you know, as I said, it's like a constant readjustment because anything could happen on any day in any hour. Mm Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, the idea of like, I'm going to tell myself I'm not going to leave early on Tuesdays. I think that also has a lot to do with sales in in some sense, because right, if you leave early, what are you, are you giving up the opportunity of that one, one more person who might've walked in the door, who was like the person that you were really waiting for? God, there's so much unpredictability that the, great and horrible thing about stripping is you cannot predict what's going to happen you have no idea if anyone is even going to walk in the door at all Mm -hmm. maybe it's some guy with two dollars in his pocket we don't know we don't know what days to work they're going to be the best (laughs) days we we have no idea that's that's the horrible thing people with anxiety get really hung up on this i myself included i'm like which which days should I work? And then, you know, my my rule about leaving early is this. If there's nobody there for at least like two hours that has paid you money, I leave. I, I decided oh, I'm just going to go. But if people start to come in before I leave, I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll try. That's my rule about leaving early. I'm not going to sit and wait for people to come in past the time I was going to leave. <laughs> I really like that. That's a good way to think about it too, of the like, okay, this is when I was planning to leave today. 
and no one has come in, I feel okay with leaving. But yeah, if people start to trickle in, like you can go take a 20 minute reset in the locker room if you need to, like whatever you need to do to hype yourself back up. Cause I'm not sure about you, but if there's been a long lull and customers are not a lot going on, I personally have a hard time like getting myself back into that hustle mode, which is also why like, I'm just going to leave. Like I can't, I've been sitting here doing nothing for so long that I don't have the like gumption and gusto in me anymore to like walk up to somebody. That's entirely a mindset thing. Some people like slowness. My, I, I'm, I'm, I love the day shifts. I love Sundays. I love Mondays. Monday day shift is my favorite. I like it when it's slow because I can like focus my concentration on one person. And usually if it's crowded, I get overwhelmed personally. That's just my personal brain, how it works. But I think if you know that about yourself, then it's best to, you know, adapt accordingly. Yeah. So really getting to know your personal style and what works best for you is one of the best things that you can do in the club. If you know that you work best when there's a lot of people, because you feel more comfortable just like approaching tons and tons of people versus like really investing in one person at a time, that's a good thing to know about yourself. And then you can sort of adjust, right? Like when you work or what your hustle style is based on that, because we're all different. Yeah, there's people who would absolutely burn out on day shift because they need a party to be going on. And that's that's okay. There's nothing wrong with either way of being. It's just knowing that about yourself. Yeah, 100%. So as far then as taking that into sales sort of like skills or tips or things like that, one, obviously, we've sort of discovered like knowing what your hustle style is, is going to be really important. But what would you say in all of your like time in the club, and especially now that you have been in the industry longer and you can see new people coming in? What would you say is like maybe one of the biggest mistakes you see or one of the things that is like an easy shift, like the super easiest shift someone could do that's going to make a big difference for them that they don't even realize? Speed up your hustle. Stop wasting time. I see this where girls will park themselves with one customer for a very, very long time without being paid to be there. So you're wasting your own time. You're tra- you're training the customer essentially to waste other people's time. Mm-hmm. You're basically giving off this message that my time is not valuable and it's okay to come to a strip club and just take up space um and you know you before you realize it like I used to do this I'm not judging anybody who does this because I know the reason behind it is fear and I used to be a very bad salesperson when I started I was so scared to approach people and to pop the question and be like okay when do I when do I ask for a dance I don't know how to do this I was horrible so I'm not judging anybody But personally, I would only have time to talk to maybe eight to 10 people operating that way. So you're really limiting your own use of time as well. Yeah. And then that's that's why girls complained about getting friend zoned. Oh, he just wants to date me. He doesn't want to buy a dance because you made himself you made yourself seem like a girlfriend (laughs) yes whenever I see on reviews like I love looking up when I'm looking for clubs I like to go on Yelp I'll go on Google I'll read all the reviews and whenever it says like 
oh, the girl, their girls are so chill here. They'll just sit and chat with you. Like in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to make money in this club because yeah. I know that these people are just sitting and not asking for money. They're not trying to sell anything. They're just sitting and having these long conversations and there's nothing wrong with sitting with a customer for a long period of time. But if you are, you should be asking for a tip. Right. Right. You can always ask for, you know, if he's like, I don't want to dance, you can turn that into, well, you can pay me to sit and chat. Mm -hmm. That's okay. But I don't think, you know, a shot of Patron or, you know, a Jack and Coke is currency. And a lot of these girls get caught up drinking with the customers, lose track of time. They're not getting paid to be there and they're losing sight of what the job is. Yep. And I think that's also the when the complaints of like, oh, there's no money in the club. There's no money to be made. I'm like, there's tons of money to be made. If you keep your eye on why you're there and remember also, it's not actually about you. It's about the person in front of you. And they're telling yeah. you everything that you need to know if you can see that. Right, right. Another issue is not listening to what your customers are saying. You're talking over them sometimes or telling them too much about yourself rather than leaving yourself as a mystery that they can kind of imprint their fantasy onto. That's there another was, mistake I see. There was a girl I danced with for years and I was she had been dancing longer than me at that point. I was still like relatively baby stripper. And I was just amazed by her hustle. She would go stand next to a guy. And I don't think this girl said a single word. She would giggle and smile and bat her eyes at like every question and like never really said much. And then was always selling rooms and dances and mm -hmm. making a ton of money because she wasn't giving anything away. Like they would ask a question. She'd be like, hmm. and just like giggle. And I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, but it's making you a ton of money. <laughs> there's no opportunity to say the wrong thing if you say nothing exactly. <laughs> I think like just staying an enigma was her hustle I love it god bless her I hope she's doing great <laughs> I'm sure whatever she's doing now she's doing great because I'd never seen anyone hustle like that before and I don't think I have since but whatever she whatever was in that like eye twinkle was making her a ton of money great I love it <laughs> Um, so speaking then again about in the club and things like people talking about there's, there isn't a lot of money to be made or they're not making money because people are doing extras in the club. I think this is a really important conversation to have. Uh, yeah. people don't understand sometimes, sometimes there are extras happening in the club. Sure. But sometimes we just assume that they are because so many customers are asking us for things. Like people are asking us to go home with them. People are asking what mm -hmm. it costs to have sex with us. People are trying to get our phone number. So we assume other people must be doing those things. When I think in reality, a lot of the times it's just like, no, nah, dudes are coming into the strip club and trying to get as much as they can for as little as possible. Right. And this, you know, being an economic recession, you're going to experience more of that cheap mentality. Mm -hmm. You're going to get guys who are trying to get more bang for their buck, so to speak. And we can't blame each other. This is the thing that, that gets me is like, we have so much to gain by supporting each other, by supporting full service workers, by being in alignment with them and working toward decriminalization. But there's always this attitude that the full service workers are ruining the industry. 
And it, I just don't see it. I've been working in extras clubs since 2005. My, my third club ever was a nude club that was basically a brothel with a stage. And I had to sell lap dances with people doing lots of things next to me. So not, not only that, not only did that make my hustle a lot stronger, being in that environment and realizing I had to sink or swim, but it made me have compassion and empathy for those girls who were doing that. Um, and I also saw it was possible to make a living in that situation. It just might require a different style of approaching of, you know, kind of screening and pre-qualifying the customer to figure out what he wanted. There, there's so many things we could be doing um, in, or, you know, differently with our sales process or in terms of activism to create a better world for both of us. A hundred percent. Yes. I, I don't know. I feel like it's just another level of like horophobia. We're in the industry, yeah. but we're still having judgment upon other people in the same industry based on how they make their money. Like, I don't do extras in the club, but that's not to say I don't do them outside of the club, but that's just simply because I like to separate my hustles. Yeah, and, and extras have been going on forever since before stripping was even a thing. And in the no contact clubs where you can't get away with doing extras in the club, Girls are doing them outside the club. So many girls are doing them outside the club. Exactly. I think there's just this level too of, in my mind, and this is how I consider it and approach it, and I think it's very similar to how you do, is that idea that for me, if you doing an extra, doing them in the club is keeping you safe, then I would rather you do them in the club. Because yeah. since Festa Sasta, wow. I really suck with words sometimes. We know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. And like elimination of back pages and all those things. Like it's not as easy for full service sex workers to screen clients and find clients. It's a lot more dangerous and lots more, a lot more precarious. And for mm -hmm. some people, this job is literally survival. It's not something they chose. It's not necessarily something they enjoy, but it's something they need to do to be able to support themselves or their family. And if that means that they are doing extras in order to do that, then wouldn't we all prefer them be safe? Yeah. I mean, there's just so much of this, like, I don't care where they go as long as they're not here sentiment. It's mm -hmm. a bunch of nimbies, basically. It reminds me of boomers, like being like, not in my backyard. <laughs> yes. I don't care where you go. Just go, go whore in the streets. Like we, we don't care what happens to you, but these girls in the club have security mm -hmm. They have a place where it's clean and safe. Exactly. And that's why it's happening. It's not because they're trying to take your money. It's not because they're bad people. I mean, it makes sense if you think about it. Ideally, I would like to see, you know, legal brothels existing in every state. So everybody could go work at those if they wanted to. I would like separate but equally safe venues. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But that's not the way it is. It's not. And I think another, speaking of mindset, imagine if you could just shift your mindset instead of being like, oh, well, I can't make money because these people are doing extras. Cool. Do you know 100% for certain that that person does? Do you have a client that wants something? Can you book a room together? 
Right. Can you be oh, the conversation I, and the entertainment and the bubbly personality? And that person is now, now you've both made money. Like, how can you right, make she, this work for ourselves? She doesn't have to do the conversation part. She could just do the physical aspect. I've seen girls charge money. Like <laughs> strippers are charging customers a finder's fee to help them look on Trist. There's a hustle right there. You don't even have to do anything. Go on your phone, scroll. She looks beautiful. I know her. She's really hot. <laughs> yeah. There are so many hustles in the club. If you can use a different, like more of a growth mindset or like, what else can I do? How else can I make money in here? If you have an OnlyFans, cool. Can you get that customer to now join your OnlyFans? Now you're making money like passively outside of the club from a same customer. Can you turn that into a more of a conversation where you're going to get tips regularly? Now they're going to be a regular, like any of that. They want your phone number, sell it to them. Also make sure it's not your real phone number. Like, yeah, there's so many ways. Yeah. To- Google <laughs> voice, everybody. Google yes, voice. Yes. Google voice, get yourself a Google voice number, give that out as much as you want, but also don't just give it, make them pay for it. They want your real name. What is your third layer of fake real name? Make them pay for it. Like there's always a way to make money. Pull a name out of a hat, whatever, charge them money. There's so many different hustles, like massages. You can run people's hands. I, I mostly take up time in VIP giving hand massages. Oh, I love and that. I've been accused of doing extras, even though there's cameras and I would have been fired like a long time ago. No, I'm just rubbing their hands. Like, <laughs> I think my favorite rooms yeah. are the ones where I just cuddle with people. Like I, I love yes. to find the lonely guy, the very lonely guy who's clearly he's never had a girlfriend, maybe with yeah. sheltered childhood. I love to go in a room and just cuddle. Like me I'm gonna... and you both, me and you both. Like, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I'm like, this was my favorite night at work. I got paid to cuddle. Yes, especially if they rub your shoulders. I get a lot of guys giving me shoulder rubs, and I'm like, please, just oh, don't yeah. stop. Like, it's yep. great. Starts out as a lap dance, ends as me getting a back rub. Also a great, great thing. Love it. Love to, to do. get paid to get a massage. And then they always say, oh, you should be paying me. And I'm like, haha, tip me. <laughs> you're like that's gonna be a fee anytime you say that that's a that's you need to give me money now yeah I don't know how I don't know what you think (laughs) uh speaking of making money again I love that our conversation is so easily flowing to all of these things there is so in the online business world there's like this whole thing where you need to be making like ten thousand dollars a month to be considered successful and I think that kind of like translates over into stripper world but more it's the like you if you're not making a thousand dollars a night like you're doing something wrong Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I made some posts about this recently yes I saw them and I think that they are great because not every club can you make a thousand dollars a night well there's a lot of clubs that extort the dancers there's a lot of clubs that charge really high house fees Someone DM me about one today in Houston where it's 150 up front and another 100 if you're there past a certain time and then they block you from getting into sections and it's just like some clubs make it really difficult for you to earn money and maybe that's your only option because this is the only thing in the city you know and I think a lot of us tend to place our value and our worth on 
these dollar amounts. And I don't know who invented these arbitrary amounts as like the measure of success. But like those girls who are happy as hell to make two, three hundred a day just to have the freedom to dance. Yep. And for all you know, like maybe they have another job that's paying for things and this is like their thing that they like to do for themselves. Mm -hmm. And hey, also I get to make money. Maybe their cost of living isn't that expensive. Maybe they don't have kids. Maybe they live with their parents. They don't need to make as much money. And so forcing this idea that you have to be making a thousand dollars a night or you're not doing well as a dancer, I think is so toxic. It's such a toxic mentality. Yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of these girls, okay, maybe you make a thousand dollars every time you go to work, but how many days in a year do you work? What does that add up to as a yearly income? Mm-hmm. Why are we looking at the specific days? Yeah. <laughs> also, what are you doing with that money? Cool. You made a thousand dollars last night, but like, are you saving some of it? Like, what are you doing with it? Are you barely breaking even with your cost of living on a thousand dollars a night? Like knowing what you're doing with your money and where it's going for you is way more important than how much you're making. Cause you can make $300 a night go really far if you know what to do with your money. Yeah. And you know, obviously some comes out of that for taxes, but at the end of the day, if you're comfortable, if you're putting your money in the right place, if you're, you know, really doing what you want to do, I think happiness trumps everything. If you're happy with what you're making, don't buy my shit, stay there where you are and be happy. You know what I mean? Like if if you want to get to a certain goal and you want to make more money and you know you have room to grow, that's cool. But, you know, I think that you should measure your own happiness level rather than the dollar amounts. Yeah. And rather than the, the comparison of the internet. Yeah. That's, I think that's a lot of it is just the comparison of seeing what other people are doing and thinking that we're not doing well enough based on people flashing money on, on the internet. And Oh, TikTok. We can do a whole podcast on TikTok. <laughs> it probably could, for sure. So speaking of your programs and things, I know you have a lot of different methods of working with you. Do you want to talk about some of those really quick? Yeah, I try to make my teaching materials as accessible as possible, which means that I've integrated video one-on-one or like just reading an ebook. So I feel like there's a lot of people who initially were like, I don't like digital courses or I don't want to read or, you know, I don't feel comfortable being face-to-face. So I created all these different things. Um, I have a set of like six cheat sheets, which are in PDF format. You can book one-on-one calls with me. Um, I have a baby stripper course called Your First Few Weeks, which is videos and one-on-one. And I'm coming out with something soon, which is, I don't know if I should say it. (laughs) That's your choice. Speak it into the universe or don't like, right? Hold on to it till you're ready. That's that's all up to you. Okay. Well, I will say that it was inspired by my mastermind course, which is no longer for sale. It used to be called High Level Hustlers. And I took all of the good sales stuff and just concentrated it into a few videos. So I think the dancers who are interested in just the sales stuff are going to be super happy with how accessible and concise it is. Nice. I love that. And I'm calling it 
I'm calling it Academy of Stripper Sales, ASS, because we sell ass. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that so much. That is amazing. And one thing I want to make a mention of, because I've been seeing this all over the internet lately from you to other um, mentors in the industry. If you are buying a product from one of these people who is giving their heart to you, like we are taking the knowledge that we have learned from making our own mistakes and we are trying to help you not have to make those, please, please respect that um, and do not share these with other people who have not purchased them. That's the same thing as like you selling a dance to a customer And then another girl getting the money and taking the dance. Like, it's the same idea. If you would get mad about that in the club, please understand how that applies to us in this realm. Like, these resources have been painstakingly made. And so please respect that. And if you buy it, don't share it freely. Tell your friend, like, oh, it's great. And then they can go buy it. I don't, I know that people will share it with their work wife or their friend or whatever. This is normal. This, this happens like, Hey, let's sit down and watch this course together, whatever. Um, but my stuff was recently shared in a group chat of over a hundred people. It was so just hurt me. I don't know. I I don't want to let it have power over me, but I was like, Oh my God, you really think this is okay. And they like argued with me about it and trying to gaslight me and say that I was overreacting and being unprofessional to them stealing my stuff. You're like, like, would you be upset? I will knock all this shit over. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, would you be upset if suddenly the club decided it's taking 50% of your money when that wasn't the thing before? And like, oh, also you have to do, dances are now $5 and you have to do them with another dancer and split that five bucks. Like, it's the same idea. Like, think about how this would affect you in the club and then imagine that it's affecting... These people have taken their time, right? We take our time. We want to provide you these resources. And yes, if you're learning something from them, we also understand you're probably going to share some of that wisdom with other people. But yeah, sharing it in a large group chat or just sharing it freely with everybody left and right, like, it's not okay. (laughs) It's not. And I even spend my own money to do what I do. I have to pay for the back end stuff of running a business. I have to host my courses in a platform that charges me money every month. It's like $200 just for that a month. And then I have my email campaign manager and all the other things that make all the parts move. Yes. So yeah, we, we put money, we put time, we put experience, love, energy, um, scheduling for certain things. Our free time when we wouldn't want to just be doing self-care and relaxing. And we're like, no, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to work on this project. <laughs> I, if you knew how much creating courses and editing videos consumed my life when I'm in the process of making something like it's wild. I've been working on this course for weeks and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just like burned out on looking at iMovie. It's hard. It's hard work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. A lot of work goes into it. So we just ask that if you, if you sign up for anything, just consider that for a second, like what that would feel like to you in the club. Like try to see it from the other person's perspective. Um, Thank you, Daddy. That's a great point. I think that's the only way to, to really, I think for some people to be able to understand it. Cause if you've never tried to run yeah. a business outside of just the strip club, I don't think you realize like how much work it really is and how much really goes into it. 
And so you're buying maybe like a 30, 40, $60 course, $500 course. And you're like, sure, I'm just going to share this with people. But a lot of work went into making that. And we just ask yeah. that you respect that. Yeah. Good point. I see your cat. <laughs> yes. The, the so many strippers have cats. <laughs> well, we are cats. We were demand. Yes. We demand consent. We have a lot of boundaries. We're nocturnal. We like, we'll give you love, but really only on our terms. I'm going to sit on your lap, but don't touch me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm going to start to wrap this up here. Is there anything that we didn't talk about or is there anything that you want to add? I just want to add for everybody who's interested in helping to fight for decriminalization of all sex work should check out different organizations that support that cause. Get involved on a local level politically. Um, you know, make sure that you are spreading the message that we should be supporting sex workers. If you're not a sex worker listening to this podcast, please help us. We need your help. We can't do this alone. Yeah. The more allies that we can help get help to help us, I really struggle with words sometimes, the better, because it's one thing coming from inside the industry. It's another thing when people from outside the industry also help us. I think it just is seen a little bit different. Um, I also just want to go ahead. You can be found at what are your like websites and socials? I'll tag them in the show notes, but just so we can put those out into the world as well. Uh, my website is alexathehousemom.com and you can find me on Instagram at alexathehousemom. Awesome. Those are my Thanks. main two main two platforms. Okay, great. So you can find her website or you can find her on Instagram. And thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. It was really lovely to have you and to have this conversation. And um, maybe we will do another one in the future about the toxic things of TikTok. <laughs> Yes, I'd love to. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. I really appreciate it. It's nice to finally meet you face to face. I know. I know no one else can see us, but we've been enjoying a lot of um, hand gestures at one another and, <laughs> yes. and laughter and like big eyes as we're like, yes, I agree with you, but I can't say anything right now. Yes, I love it. The, right. the nonverbal communication. Also great for the club. Little last yes. little tidbit for you. Remember your nonverbals. All right, that's it for us today. I'll see you on the next episode of Show Me Your Assets.